reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Jesus and his disciples set out for the villages of Caesarea Philippi. Along the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? They said in reply, John the Baptist, others, Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter said to him in reply, You are the Christ. Then Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and rise after three days. He spoke this openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. At this he turned around and, looking at his disciples, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. The Gospel of the Lord. Yesterday we had the healing of the blind man in stages in Bethsaida that his progressive growth in seeing things by the eyes of faith was facilitated by the Lord. And it is that progressive growth in faith that we're all called to, as St. James had mentioned yesterday, especially through the Word of God, in which we see who we really are, who others are, who God is, and are called to respond precisely in that way. Today, one of the most pivotal scenes in the history of the world occurs right at the very center of St. Mark's Gospel to focus on it as the hinge. Jesus goes to a place very much associated with paganism, Caesarea Philippi. It's one of the great temples of Baal, the sex cult. It's also another pagan cult of Pan there. And with a waterfall in the background that was very, very beautiful, Jesus took his first pole. Who do people say that I am? All the responses, of course, were, um, you're, you're in the line of one of the greatest heroes who has ever lived. The true inspirations of our people, John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the other prophets. But none of them was close, and Jesus asked that very personal question, who do you say that I am? And that's when Peter got up and said, you are the Messiah. And in St. Matthew's account of the same, the Son of the living God, and Jesus replied to Peter, You are rock, and on you I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against you. Peter had received that gift of faith. He had received that partial vision. He was able to see certain things clearly. Christ was not like others. But in a sense, he was still like a tree walking around to go back to the healing of the blind man yesterday. That's when Jesus started to describe the further growth in vision and in faith that he and we both need. That the path of the Messiah was not to kick out the Romans. The path of the Messiah was not just to share earthly spoils and they would all become part of that victorious train. But instead, 
that this Messiah, this Son of the living God, this Son of Man, must suffer greatly, be rejected, killed, and raised from the dead. And that's when Peter, again, still partially blind, even though he saw more than the rest, actually rebuked Jesus. This should never happen to you. And Jesus called him Satan, the opposer, the object, the one who tries to throw off course. Satan, get behind me. Jesus had said many times that he wanted us to follow him, not to lead him. And the only way Peter would be able to follow is if he got behind Jesus rather than got out in front, trying to tell Jesus where he should go and where he shouldn't. Who do you say that I am? That question is always relevant for us. We obviously know that Jesus is one of the most important people who have ever lived. We would clearly put him up with those great prophets. Even the Muslims do that. But Jesus is God. And because he is God, we are called to reorient everything toward his holy wisdom. To take what he says and to act on it rather than to try to second-guess and play backseat God, trying to give Jesus directions about where he should drive the church, where he should drive our lives, where he should drive our loved ones' lives. This question is always relevant, not merely in our relationship directly with the Lord, but also directly with others. At the end of St. Matthew's Gospel, Jesus said, when I was hungry, you fed me. Thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Naked, you clothed me. Ill, you comforted me. A stranger, you welcomed me. In prison, and you visited me. And both groups will say, when did I ever do this for you? And he said, as often as we do it for the least of our brothers and sisters, we will do it or fail to do it for him. That's why this first reading is so relevant. St. James recognized in the early church they weren't really living by those principles. St. James's words have no expiration date. They still happen today. Show no partiality, no favoritism, as you adhere to the faith in, the, in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Then talked about the hypocrisy of the early church. If a man with gold rings and fine clothes comes into your assembly, if somebody rich and famous shows up, you say, sit here, please. But if a poor person with shabby clothes comes in, you say, sit there or sit at my feet. Failing, obviously, to see, because of blindness, who that person is. In the person of everyone who comes in, Jesus says to us, who do you say that I am? Especially for a Christian, we are able to see in them something of Jesus' image and likeness. And we're called to respond with love. Not try to lead, not try to push, not try to marginalize, not try to show partiality or favoritism. Not try to be Satan, in other words, but to embrace the Lord precisely as he is. This is what really distinguished the early church one of the reasons for a great growth, that when the church was acting fully in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, they did show no partiality. 
but among all the classes, people looked at each other as brothers and sisters. Today in the church is the feast of St. Onesimus. It doesn't get celebrated universally, but Onesimus was a slave, but he became a brother to a slave owner. And St. Paul challenged Philemon to treat Onesimus like he would treat Paul himself, not as an escaped slave coming home, that the way that Philemon would treat St. Paul was supposed to be the indication of the way he would treat even his slave as a long-lost loved brother. This is something all of us need constantly to look at, that in our family members, those with whom we live, in our consorelle, in our fellow parishioners, in the people that we meet at the checkout counter at Stop and Shop or Shaw's or Trukey's or wherever, we're called to see them for who they really are, to hear Christ's voice crying out from within, who do you say that I am? Through the intercession of St. Peter and St. Paul, may we see that image of Christ and care for and love them as we would Christ himself. This will be the way that we are truly following Jesus, announcing that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and seeing ourselves and others according to the true mirror that Christ has given us in his holy.